You are worthy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So good to be with you this morning. You guys look good. You sound amazing. If you would, just turn to the person next to you. Tell them they're looking good today. And that I'm glad you took a shower. Finally. We'll be right back with you. What's up, family? Happy Easter, everybody. Everybody doing all right today? Come on, you got to do better than that. It's Easter Sunday, people. Come on now. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, Hope everybody's doing all right. Good to see everybody in church. Haven't seen some of you since Christmas. So welcome back to church. So glad that you're here. (laughs) Just kidding. Kind (laughs) of. I'm going to title this, The Scars Are For You. On Easter, we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, We're really thankful for that. God didn't just raise him from the dead to rescue him. He did everything with us in mind, with you and me in mind. If you're visiting with us this morning, first of all, welcome. So glad you're here. If you don't have a home church, uh, we'd love to be a church for you. But we were reading through the one-year Bible as a church statewide, every one of our campuses, and It's been cool, making some good progress. Every day we read a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, a little bit of Proverbs, and uh, making some good headway on that. Old Testament, got into Genesis and learned about God, the Creator. Cool stories in there. And then Exodus, God, our Deliverer. And then we hit Leviticus. (laughs) And it was a bit of a struggle. (laughs) Because it started laying out the law, Leviticus, Numbers, now in Deuteronomy. And every one of those... Even though it's talking about the law, really what it's pointing towards is the holiness of God. How holy God is. And in that, we realize we can't add up. There's no way that we can ever be good enough because of a holy God. But every one of us have sinned. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned before. Come on, come on. Now, if you didn't raise your hand because you think you've never sinned, nobody likes being around you, especially at Easter. You're no fun to be around. But the fact is, all of us have sinned. It all started back in Genesis, Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are there. Man, they're walking with God in the cool of day. Still ticks me off. They messed that whole thing up. When I get to heaven, that's two people I'm definitely going to smack around a little bit. I'm just telling you right now. Walking with God in the cool of the day, and then they rebelled against him. And because of that, sin entered the world. We are under the curse of sin uh, with no apparent solution at that point. Uh, There's no way out 
of our sin. And it messed up everything from that day forward up until now. The only good thing that we got out of the fall of man was clothing. Come on, everybody. Church, we get awkward otherwise. Let's just say somebody was sitting in your chair the previous service. Let's just say that, 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 that. it gets a little awkward. We'll move on from there, though. All the stories in the Bible point towards Jesus and points towards his plan to save us, every single one of us, individually. Everything points towards Jesus. And Jesus aced the law while he was here on the earth, but he also fulfilled the law, and that is what has redeemed us. This last week, we read this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. One day in the synagogue, he read from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20 says, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a cool scene. Jesus shows up, reads from the prophet Isaiah, rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant. Kind of sits back, I'm the man. Dropped the mic, walked out of the synagogue, he's all done. The thing is, the hearers at that point didn't understand that the only way that this scripture was really going to be fulfilled was through sacrifice, intense sacrifice. The truth is that some sacrifice had already been made because God had already given up his only son. That father-son relationship, look, I don't know what your relationship is like with your dad. It may be great. It may be awesome. There's a good chance that some of us, we don't have a great relationship with our dad. I don't know whether it's, it's good or bad or, or, or whatever, but I know this. Here on earth, relationship is constrained because of sin. Relationship is affected every day because of sin. So our relationship with our dad, no matter how great it is, it's still going to be affected by sin. But in heaven, there is no sin. And so because there is no sin in heaven, that relationship was never constrained by anything. A lot of times reading the Bible, I don't know if this is like this for you, but I'll read the Bible and I'll be like, man, God's like the mean one. And the son is the nice one. But that's not the truth. The truth is they are both equally love. It's who they are. And they love each other. They love each other unlike any, any other relationship that's ever existed. That love between God the Father and his son. I don't know if it's anything like the relationships that we have. You know, maybe you have kids. I I like to take my kids out and throw the football around a little bit. They're not great at it. They're getting a little bit better. Does God the Father and Jesus ever play catch? Is there ever a comet coming across the universe and God's like, watch out, Jesus. This one's coming in a little hot. Watch out. We're living. Maybe we're living on the son's project and God the Father just kind of helped him with it. You know, like a science project or something like that. I always hated those kids. Their dads actually did the project for them. But anyway, I don't know what it's like. I do know this, though. The word is very clear how much God the Father loved his son, Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like God just affirming how much he loves his son. Well, I want to talk about a couple things this morning that I think are important for us to remember about Easter. The first thing is this. Jesus was given by the Father. Jesus was given by the Father. 
couple places in Scripture it talks about that. In Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, prophesying Jesus is coming. In the most famous Bible verse of all time, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say gave. His one and only son. His one and only son. Man, God loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice this perfect relationship because he loved us. And he was willing to do it for people that would totally reject it and still do and ignore it and don't value it. In fact, he did it for people that he knew was going, were going to hate Jesus, hate Christians. God gave his son for people that strap bombs to themselves and walk in a crowded place and kill people. God gave his son because he is love, because he loved us. What kind of love? Well, Ethan actually quoted this verse during worship, but let's look at it again in Romans eight thirty-eight. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says it this way, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Still in the middle of our filth, messed up, Christ died for us. Raising kids. Anybody raising kids in here? Come on now. Some of you, you thought you raised your kid, but your kid is a boomerang. You threw them out and they came right back. <laughs> so that's happening. Somebody say amen. Come on, I'm praying for you. It happens every once in a while. But man, raising kids is not easy. It's tough. Uh, I'm definitely not going to. To say that I'm, I'm the best dad around, I'm certainly not the best dad in this church, not by a long shot. But I will say this. I love my kids more than I can express. I love them so much that it hurts sometimes. I love them so much my heart literally aches. It, my heart aches when they do something I know they're going to have to pay a consequence for. Or my heart hurts when they just hurt. I love my kids. Now, I love, I love how every, each one of them are so individual and so unique, you know. You have a kid, and you're like, oh, man, okay, I think we got this figured out. And then another one comes, and it's totally different. It's like you, you couldn't get an instruction book on how to raise kids because you'd have to make an instruction book for every single kid because they're all so different. I love that. But I love them so individually, too. London's our oldest. Man. And creative, ah, man, strong leader, very independent. Like she's independent like mom and dad don't always know what they're talking about independent already. She's nine years old, okay? So independent that she thinks she knows what's best. At one point, she didn't like how her hairline looked. She wanted to change it up. So she did. Took a razor. Just kind of shaved back her hairline here. Had a little Hare Krishna thing going on there for a while. We're like, you know what? I think the consequence is the haircut. (laughs) Because they don't look good at all right now. (laughs) She's awesome. Corbin. 
Corbin's just got this huge heart. He's so sensitive. Huge sense of justice. Like, don't break the rules around Corbin. He'll let you know, okay? He can break the rules, but don't you go breaking the rules around Corbin. He'll let you know. But he's fearless. Kid is fearless. He will do anything, anything. Just two or three years old, one day he came to me and he asked me if he could watch TV. And I said no, so he went and started working on Mama. And, uh, and Mama said no. Next thing we know, he's gone. We can't find him anywhere. He's not in the house. He's not in the backyard. He's just gone. So we call up neighbors, say, we got to start looking. We start looking all over the neighborhood. We get a little over a half a mile away from our house, walking down the street, and we see this lady holding Corbin's hand, walking towards us. Immediately, we knew we won Parent of the Year Award, and (laughs) she let us know by that condescending look on her face. So we walk up, and we're like, Corbin, it's that moment when you want to beat him, but you can't because there's somebody there. you got to wait. So <laughs> you, you pretend like you're just really excited to see them when really you just can't wait to wear their behind out. But Corbin, where were you? So she looks at him, little boy, are these your parents? He hesitated. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yes. Turns out, if he wasn't going to be able to watch TV in our house, he was going to find somebody's house to watch TV. See, so went to this lady's house, walked right up, opened her front door, went inside. She's in the back room, plops himself down on the couch, turns on the TV, starts watching Dora the Explorer. She walks out of the back room. He does that every couple weeks now. Reeves, he, this kid is like the coolest kid. He's got this unshakable confidence about him. Like whatever he does is right, and everybody should know it. I don't understand why they don't, including fashion. He's, he's got this sense of fashion about it. He loves wearing a T-shirt with a tie on the T-shirt, but then he'll put a button up over that. But just button the top button like he's an early 90s gangster, like, orale, vato. <laughs> Kind of got that thing going. But he's just like, it's the jam. I don't know why everybody doesn't dress this way. I'm like, I'm the man. Everybody, I don't, what's wrong with you people? And I love that about him. Just thinks he's like the coolest kid. He brings a lot of joy in everything he does. And Grayson, she's our youngest. And you know, when they're young, you're still trying to kind of figure things out. But she's got this nurturing heart about her. She, she has a little baby. She takes care of them and rocks them and feeds them and all that kind of stuff. But she's very impressionable. You know, very naive, really innocent. So a couple months ago, our car got broke into, and she was convinced that squirrels did it. Squirrels, squirrels broke into our car. They're squirrels. And, she, and now anything that happens bad around the house, I'm like, man, what happened? Like, the squirrels did it. I'm telling you people. So if anything bad happened at your house, it's probably the squirrels, according to Grayson. But she's also kind of takes on what her siblings do. You know how that works. They, they kind of start emulating each other. And so... We've been working with our boys on something. We don't know where they pick this up, but they've gotten in this habit where they'll say, I'm going to kill you, which turns out to be a bad thing in public schools. They really frown on that. And uh, so we've been trying to help them with that. We were camping this last week. We're hanging out around the picnic table just as a family enjoying, enjoying the outdoors. And, and Cody hears Grayson say, I'm going to kill you. Great. 
So now she learned that from her brother. So she takes her and takes her aside, takes her back around where the family can't see her, which I encourage you to do if you're disciplined. Don't discipline the kids in front of each other. Try to protect them. Don't embarrass them. But took her around there and, and, and disciplined her and was trying to coach her. And she was crying and upset. And so Cody's like, all right, well, we need to go and apologize to whoever you said that you were going to kill. We got to go and apologize to him. So who did you say that to? And she's there. <laughs> A bug. (laughs) Cody's like, well, carry on. (laughs) What can he say? (laughs) You know, the reason why I say all this is even with with their struggles, even with the things that they do that drive you crazy at times, I love my kids. I love it when they enjoy life. I hurt when they hurt. But as much as I love my kids, it could not compare to how much God the Father loved His Son. And it's so important that you are convinced of that. That you see that and realize that He did it for you. That you realize that in spite of how difficult this was. I've been wondering all week, what was it like for God the Father to watch His only Son get abandoned by His only friends? I can't stand when my kids get rejected. I hate that. Then beat. And killed. And let it happen can't imagine. He did it for a reason. It's important to understand that Jesus didn't just die, he was killed. Jesus didn't just die, he was killed. The Bible often refers to him being killed. Matthew 16, 21, from that day on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed. And on the third day raised to life. He was telling him, I'm going to be killed. This is not going to be a good time for me. But the disciples obviously didn't get it. And the reason why we know they didn't get it, because they still let him go. I mean, imagine JFK. He goes to his secret service. Hey guys, this next week we're going to Dallas. Um, and while we're there, I'm riding a car and I'm going to be shot, but we're still going. They'd be like, no, we ain't. I don't know how you know that, but no, we're not. Or Martin Luther King Jr., hey, we're going to Memphis. While we're there, I'm going to be shot while I'm standing on a balcony, but we're still going. They wouldn't have let him go. They especially wouldn't have let them go if they were going around healing people. The blind were seeing, the lame were walking. They were prophesying over people with pinpoint accuracy. There's no way they would have let him go. But that's what the disciples did. It's obvious that they didn't get what Jesus was doing. And so often, we don't get what Jesus was trying to do either. We're just flipping about it. It's almost like they're like, okay, Jesus, man, you're just talking about stuff, and we don't understand again, whatever, you know, more parables or this. And just kind of blowing it off. I think sometimes we do the same thing. Why did he have to be killed and tortured? Why couldn't he just die? Well, the answer is this 
this long spiritual word that probably none of you have used this last week or last 10 years or maybe your whole life. It's the word propitiation. Propitiation. There's a few times in the word that that word is used. 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4, 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what does propitiation mean? To understand that word, i got to mention another word, expiation. Expiation. Okay, so expiation is the sinner's view of their sin. It's our view of what happened to our sin. When you become a Christian, a Christ follower, you understand that your sin has been expelled. It has been removed the expiation of our sin, but propitiation is the viewpoint of God of our sin. Because of sin, there was wrath. There was justice that had to be served. And propitiation means that justice was completely served, that the wrath of God was completely settled on our account. A lot of us have probably faced some wrath at different points in our life, maybe even in our home. If you are a married man, you have faced the wrath of your wife at one point or another, I can pretty much guarantee you, for different things. We all make mistakes, big and small. Maybe you forgot something at the store, like a kid, or you went and bought a bass boat for Valentine's Day, or maybe you did something you don't even know what you did, but there was wrath. That's happened to me before. Cody had this dream one time, and in the dream, I did something dumb, I'm sure. But the whole next day, she's mad at me the whole day because of what I did in the dream. I still don't know what I did in the dream. I can't figure it out. But this is one thing I have learned. Different levels of wrath require different size of purchase. There's some things that you can do wrong, and the payoff is not too bad. Like you forget to take the trash out. Okay, that's irritating, frustrating. It's not going to come till next week. Might be able to make up for that with a smile, a little kiss. I love you, baby. I'm sorry. Take the trash out right away, you know. Other things, you're going to need chocolate. And a lot of chocolate. You're going to need some chocolate. Sometimes you're going to need some flowers. There's other times you better bring jewelry. It's going to take jewelry. I always feel bad for the brothers that brought a flower when they needed to bring a diamond. It was a bad call. You forgot your 25-year anniversary? Sorry, not even dark chocolate going to save you on this one, big boy. You better bring a car. (laughs) Get the Escalade. It's coming. Got to settle the wrath. Some wrath is a lot harder to settle. I'm sure there's there's many of you that have probably lost a loved one at different points in your life. Maybe even recently. You're still dealing with the, the sorrow of that. But I only know a couple people that have ever had a loved one murdered. I can't imagine what that is like, what they have to walk through. But let's just say that there is a member of your family that is murdered, and you catch the person that apparently did this, and you go to trial, and in the sentencing element, as they're getting ready to sentence them, someone else comes in and says, I'm going to take the punishment for what they did. Would you be okay with that? No way. Because justice needs to be served. The person who did it needs to pay for the crime. Okay, but let's say that you have this person that is the apparent murderer, the person who did this. It seems like the evidence points towards that. It seems like that's the case. But then suddenly someone comes in and 
And evidence begins to be presented that they did it. The DNA indicates it. There's video. There's witnesses that actually collaborate together and suggest that you have the wrong guy, that it was actually this guy. That was the guy that did it. That is what Jesus did for us. That is the propitiation of our sin. In our sin, apart from Christ, we're the murderer. We're the criminal. And then all of a sudden, when you come to a place of recognizing your need for a Savior and confessing Him as Lord, suddenly, Jesus didn't just pay for your sin, He became your sin. And He became the evidence of your sin. The enemy pointed at you and said, they're guilty. No, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. That's the way God the Father saw it too. To the point that even on the cross, in the last three hours as Jesus hung on the cross, God turned his back and denied that he was even his son. And Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Amazing that God would do that. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look, you may have had somebody over the course of your life try to convince you that because of your sin, you're going to hell. And unfortunately, it might have been a pastor, a preacher, or a Sunday school teacher trying to convince you that because of how messed up you are, because of your sin, that you were definitely going to hell. I mean, they talk about hell like they were born and raised there. Like they know more about hell than the demons themselves. They like to talk about hell that much. I just want to tell you, God is doing everything he can to get you into heaven. He's done everything that he can do to get you into heaven. And Jesus did everything that he could possibly do to get you into heaven. And in spite of everything that he did, becoming my sin, becoming your sin, we still reject the goodness of God. We still just, ah, well, I don't, maybe. I'll get to that someday. There might be something to, I don't know, whatever. It's amazing how so many of us reject the goodness of God. I think it's because we live in a world that is constantly offering us its version of good. I know so many people, man, they do everything they can to try to make their life better. They want to have this good life. And they settle and they they compromise so they can have what what looks good. It's good from the world. They even eat nasty stuff trying to make their life better. I don't know about all that. When I die, I want to die with a good taste in my mouth, not kale. I mean, that's just gross. But we do it. We try to convince ourselves, right? And, and, but here's the thing. There are some things that are good for us that take a lot of convincing, though. Even in our house, man, Cody, she will hide spinach in everything we eat. If you ever come to our house and she offers you a fruit smoothie, do not be deceived. It is three-quarters spinach with a little bit of fruit. <laughs> I mean, you're just drinking grass. That's basically what you're going to have. When I was growing up, my mom was always trying to convince me that broccoli was good for me. 
She tried to make it fun. They're like little trees, and you're a giant. It's fun to eat broccoli. (laughs) The only thing that I was convinced of is that broccoli tastes like something that came out of the south end of a northbound turtle. That's all I could be convinced of right there. That was it. It was just nasty. I didn't want it. There's a lot of things that we're convinced of that are good. I wish you were convinced how good the cross is for you. The cross is so good for you. Jesus was raised to give us a brand new life. He didn't just die. He was killed. He didn't stay that way. And then that had to happen, this whole thing. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for this part. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. But the biggest question we have to answer is how do you get that? How do you get that? Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You've got to come to a place of just confessing and just realizing, like, okay, there's a really good example of this in the Bible. His name's Thomas. He was a disciple. We refer to him as Doubting Thomas. Remember? Because even when all the other disciples are saying, man, Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. And Thomas is like, uh-uh. No, don't believe it. I won't believe it till I see it. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, look, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Fine. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This always cracks me up when this happens in the Bible. Like, they're just chill. They're totally cool. All of a sudden, Jesus appears. (laughs) Peace be with you. (laughs) God's sense of humor is a little bit twisted sometimes. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Easter is about us coming to that point. Not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. And not just at church, but in our jobs, and in our schools, and with our families and in our marriages, and with our kids, and with our finances, and with everything that he's given us. My Lord and my God. But you won't get to that place unless you understand the value that was given for you. Brought some props with me. Got a basketball up here. Uh... This basketball in, in my hands is worth about 75 bucks, which is why I'm taking it back tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
there's maybe some debate about who's the best basketball player out there right now. Some people still say LeBron James, even though he's kind of declining a little bit. The minutes are starting to wear on that body. And But Steph Curry, man, kid is something else. Just got a touch on him, shoot lights out. I'm biased. I'm a Spurs fan. Kawhi Leonard, best two-way player in the NBA right now. Got a lot of huge, huge future ahead of him. Most of you could care less about anything I'm talking about right now. You're like, move on, preacher. <laughs> I'm going to do that. This is the point. The point is this. In my hands, this ball is worth about 75 bucks. In LeBron James's hands, just this last year, through his contract of promotion, it was worth about $64 million. I think he's going to be okay. Got a football up here, too. This is the actual football that they use in NFL games. This costs about 100 bucks. Definitely taking this one back. I took a little bit of air out of it so I could grip it and really just zing it out there. <laughs> Heard that works really good. My hands aren't strong. <laughs> in my hand, this is worth 100 bucks. Peyton Manning, he just retired in his hands over the course of his career, not including promotion from Budweiser and Papa John's and all that, just his contracts alone, this is worth over $200 million. In my hands, it's worth 100 bucks. In his hands, over $200 million. I got a golf ball in here. Any golfers in the house? Don't raise your hand. There aren't any golfers. You're all hackers. You know it. Come on now. This is a Pro V1. I don't normally buy these. In fact, I'm going to take this back tomorrow as well because this is a $4 golf ball. In my hand, it's worth 4 bucks and about three swings because that's about how long it's going to take for me to lose it. But some debate about who the best golfer might be out there right now. But Jordan Spieth, man, this kid is really good. Something else. In my hand, this golf ball is worth four bucks. In his hand, this last year, this last year alone, it's worth forty million dollars. I went by the hardware store, and uh, I picked up a couple spikes. One dollar. That's how much they're worth. I don't. These don't look anything like the nails that were used on the cross, but they're about the, the right length and diameter. In my hands, this is, is worth a buck. But in the hands of Jesus, it was worth your soul. But if you don't see the value, it won't mean anything to you. I'm going to keep these. I'm going to keep these. So you've got to understand that, that God doesn't make bad deals. If God said that in spite of how much he loved his son, this perfect relationship, no relationship that you have ever experienced was more fulfilling than the love of the father to his son. And he said, he looked down and he saw you and he saw me and he said, it is a good deal. It's a good exchange. It's a good exchange to exchange my son for that person while they're still a sinner while they're still jacked up messed up and addicted it's a good trade and it's a trade I'm going to make and not just for a crowded room on a Sunday morning but for every individual person he would have done it just for you but it doesn't matter 
you don't see it, if you don't see the value, and say, okay, yeah, I'll let him take my place. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're visiting today, I just want you to know that you can relax right now. I'm, I'm not... I'm not trying to do anything that's going to embarrass anyone, point anyone out. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm so sorry. You've probably met some weird Christians in your life. I apologize for that. We're not trying to do that right now, but I do want to just give you an opportunity to respond to what God might be speaking to you. I think there's a good chance that he is. At least some of you. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God, you just know it. You'll know it because in your heart right now, it's like you you don't have any confidence about what could happen or what would happen to you. If you die today, what is next? Jesus came so that you can be completely confident what the answer to that question is. But if you're not confident, if you're not sure, some of you it's because of condemnation and shame that you still carry around and you need to know that you don't need to walk in that anymore. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, anything that comes against that is from the devil. It's not from God. But some of you, you've just never made the decision. You've never surrendered completely to Jesus. Or maybe you did, but, but something happened in your life. Your own sin happened or, or someone else's sin. Someone hurt you. Something, a situation or circumstance, and you got off track and, and you know you're not you're God right now. You feel like you're a mile away even though he's, he's, he's still actually here. He's right there. But if you're either one of those people, just as a, a simple sign of faith, and just so I know who I'm praying with this morning, if that's you, nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you'll put your hand up right now, look at me as soon as I see you, put your hand up right now, all over this room. Got it. Got it. Yes. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Many hands. Come on. Praise God. Got it. Yes, sir. Come on, God's working some people's lives right now. Yes, man, see over here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thanks. Thanks. Don't worry about anybody that's next. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And I believe that as soon as you raise your hand, man, you're going to start feeling the grace of God on you, his forgiveness, his love. Anybody else? Don't be stubborn. This is a bad time to be prideful. This is a really good time to be humble. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I got you. Thanks. Thanks. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Okay. All right. So this is what we're going to do. I just, I just read in that scripture. If you will confess that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So what we're going to do is we're all, everybody together, we're going to say this prayer together. Because there's somebody that is around you that, that needs to say this prayer. And I'm going to ask you to say it with some confidence. Say it with some boldness because there might be somebody that needs to be able to pray this prayer with some boldness right now. Because they're desperate for God. They're desperate for Jesus. So let's give them that opportunity. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you rose from the grave, Jesus. Right now, I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. Help me to live for you. 
I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. Lead me by your spirit. Guide me with your word. Help me be supported by the body of Christ. I want to live for you and never turn back. Change me. Give me a new life in you. Father God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, God. Be with them. Protect them. Help us as the body of Christ to bring them into our family, to support them, encourage them, and challenge them in any way that they need, Lord. God, for every single one of us, I pray that we wouldn't wait till Easter to carry around the message of the cross, but in every day, in every way that we would carry it with us. For the neighbor, for the boss we don't like, for that person that cut us off on the highway, we thank you, God, you sent your son, Jesus, to give us grace, to give us freedom, to give us forgiveness, to be our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We remember you today. It's in your name and for your glory that we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Let's all stand up together. We're gonna do something now. We're gonna go into a, a song of worship and I think this is really important because some of you that just made the most important decision of your life, you can know this. The word says that when even one person comes to know him, that all of heaven rejoices. We had a bunch of people getting right with God. But here's the thing. To this point, even if you were raised in church your whole life, up to this point, until you make that decision, you've never been able to worship God in freedom. You've never been able to experience that. And there's nothing like it. So I want to give you that opportunity now. And we just want to stay in a place of worship and reverence. So please don't move around unless you absolutely have to. Because this is a big moment for some of these people. But for the rest of us, look, worship means to bring something of worth. We've talked all about the worth that was given to you. And that is the reason why we worship the way we worship. If you see somebody around you and they're a little bit more exuberant in their worship, raising their hands or moving around a little bit, it's not because they're more spiritual. It's because they understand how unspiritual they are and that they need Jesus. But I think maybe they have connected with the value of it. Maybe in their mind, like, look, if I got to go to a Razorback game and cheer for that team that doesn't win us anything and make a fool out of myself, I can come before my Savior and give him something of worth. I just encourage you to press in a little bit during this song. It's a strong song. It's a powerful song. Let's just see what God wants to do. Let's worship. His blood poured out 